1: Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness, very extensive bio, the man, the myth, the legend, but two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check verified himself. You can follow him at jamar.substack.com. Dr. Jamar Tisby, what's going on, brother?
0: I like how you said a black christian collective black. you really emphasize black. the black christian collective by the way it's jamartisby.substack.com but don't worry about it we'll put it in the subtitle okay anyway. jamartisby.substack.com okay you <laughs> will get it straight it was an a, He'll, a, for, a, for do a good, good intro one day no <laughs> wow. that. people have memorized that intro isn't and this about friendship
1: isn't this about friendship
0: okay okay let's get to the topic check this out <laughs> people have
1: done what no tell me about this <laughs>
0: tell me about this literally people will quote to me your intro of me when they meet me wow yeah it's iconic, bro. That's it's powerful. iconic. It's iconic. I've
1: also heard some podcasters do it, which if you're going to do that, you got to give me some sort of Oh, like, wow. They just bit straight off. Okay. Yeah, you can't. You can't no, do you that when he's credit. on your podcast just because, you know, he's there doesn't mean
0: Oh, you know, okay, I got you. Yeah. Okay.
1: No, no, no. They won't bite that. I don't mean like that. But I mean, when you're on their their show, That's how they're like, Mr. Blue Check, verify. I'm like, oh, no.
0: <laughs> Give Tyler his no. credit. I'll make sure they do that. So I went on Instagram stories and told folks that we were recording okay. and said we had a couple of slots open for topics. What would you like us okay. to talk about? So this one comes from Chrissy. She said... I'd love to hear you talk about friendships. Do you think it's possible mm. to be good friends with someone who doesn't align with you politically or spiritually? And if so, what is required for that friendship to thrive? Wow. Can you be friends with someone who doesn't align with you politically mm. and spiritually or spiritually?
1: That's a really good question. I have so many follow-up questions as a result of it. <laughs> right. right? What does the word align mean to us when we hear it, Right. And so when I say someone does not align with me, I'm pretty sure you and I do not align (laughs) on some
0: things. That's right. That's right. That's (laughs) right. right.
1: But I think what we're talking about is something probably more fundamental, right? Which is not simply a cosmetic issue or a issue of uh, opinion, but an issue that boils down to something fundamental.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: A foundational building block of how we understand ourselves in the world.
0: So I think some of this really came to the fore during the political conversations about immigration. So in the past several years we've seen an increase in folks particularly around the southern border between the US and Mexico. Uh there was there were these issues about DACA and what to do with the right. children of people who had come in undocumented. And these were seen as humanitarian issues. Of course they were uh imprisoning or caging you know, children without their parents at the border, all of those things. And, and, and it became an issue to where if you disagreed on that topic or that policy or what to do about that situation, it was almost like we couldn't be friends, you know, and that's just mm. one example So I think that's, as you're saying, these are fundamental issues. I think that question for many people arises out of, can I have, what kind of dealings can I have with people who I believe are, have beliefs that are fundamentally dehumanizing?
1: Right. So this is interesting because there's a follow-up to that particular statement and issue that I think connects to something even deeper. So when I heard that, I hear, oh, what you're saying is what's the maximum amount of, amount of cruelty that you are willing to accept. (laughs) Whoa. And then I hear, Oh, what's our definition of cruelty. (laughs) Right. So this is the thing. So if, so when I hear that, when someone is like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. They were over here, you know, deport them. I say, Whoa, that's cruel. And I'm like, I might not be comfortable with you at being around someone who accepts that amount of cruelty, very casually yeah that's a level of whoa that's a lot right but then the other the question is what areas of my own worldview have cruelty incorporated within them what areas do and how do we measure what cruelty actually is i measure it by the most marginalized yes so i typically try to go to the most marginalized and find out how we treat them whoever they may be and say oh well if you're mistreating the most marginalized we probably won't be able to be in proximity to one another. If you justify cruelty for them, I think I have a problem, and I think that might be a line crosser for me. But the question is, is that reasonable? Mm-hmm.
0: I think it actually gets to an even more fundamental question, which is, what do we mean by friendship? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> well, this we is be, this is the first. This is yeah, the actual foundation. That's question. the
0: actual. Can we be friends with someone who X Y Z? Well, it depends on what you mean by friend. Can you have a conversation with them? Hmm. Can you have a very limited relationship where you don't talk about certain topics with them? Or can you actually, I don't know what friendship means to you, walk with someone well, and grow with someone,
1: right? Well, I, what, is, what are we asking that we're not asking? Can y'all go to the same church? Hmm. Can you work at a church where you have strong fundamental disagreements with the people you work for? Is that what we asking, but asking around it? <laughs> I, mean,
0: I, you know? I just I think that's probably one aspect of <laughs> sure. it. Right. Like I, I think there are first of all, I think that I think questions like these come out of a deep sense of pain. Like people have lost relationships yes. in the past few years. This can be with family members. I know of uh, one family, the chi- the the adult children will not bring their kids, the grandkids, around their parents because of their racist beliefs. Right. Yeah and can you imagine how unbearably difficult that that would be right mm. and then of course i've had the experience personally of being at churches or christian you know fellowships where the beliefs around certain issues were so deeply different mm. that there could no longer be any sort of formal affiliation mm. right so i think there we are in a in an age where a lot of people are Saying, can I have this relationship with someone who I so deeply, again, on fundamental issues disagree with, uh-huh. which does get to church aspect. Can yeah. I go to a church where I disagree so so deeply? But, but it's, I think, a more fully orbed thing because Absolutely. it's affecting relationships beyond congregations.
1: Yeah, I don't have very many friends. And so when people talk about friends, I automatically am assuming a level of connection and intimacy and proximity that I don't have with 98% of the people I know. <laughs> right. So when It's you rare talk to about, begin with. Yeah, it's rare to begin with. So when you talk about friendship, what I'm thinking is this implies some sort of intentional proximity, relational intimacy, um, some sort of known and being known. Right, right. That... Is deeper than just, I know this person, I'm friendly towards them, we're friends on Facebook, or even we interact on a regular basis. Right. Every coworker is not my friend. You know, every person that I see who's a neighbor is not my friend. So I think what we're talking about is a level of relational proximity and intimacy. Yeah. That I think goes deeper than just the acquaintance level. And if that's the case, then naturally it's going to be a self-selection. It's going to be a small number regardless yeah. of your, your yeah. political, yeah. sociological, spiritual beliefs. It's going to be a small number regardless. So as that's a result, right. if that's the case, it's going to get even smaller when we talk about political disagreements or yes. spiritual disagreements. And I think mainly because you naturally surround yourself with the people who you most want to become like.
0: Exactly. The people who you spend the most time with Are going to shape you most profoundly. And to me, when we say friendship, for me, it implies vulnerability. Who am I willing to be open with? Like we walk around in a default with our armor up and on guard because we don't know. You know, just in the most innocent sense. Well, I should we
1: say don't we. Know. I should say we do. I mean, we're very <laughs> we, we're very guarded. True people. enough. Some other people might be like, "Ah, what y'all talking about? Yeah, I've never known a stranger." Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying for us. that but is I would probably say probably even
0: still, you know, there are some folks who like really do overshare, and you're like, "I just met you. Why are you telling me all this?" But in a, in a lot of cases, we know how to be polite. And interact with people, but we really won't let ourselves sort of take off that armor with a whole lot of people. It goes back to what you were saying, right? That's already a small group. But I think the more vulnerable you are with a person, the more fundamental alignment there has to be. Actually, difference in even those intimate friendships is healthy because iron sharpens iron, you can get another perspective and all of that, but there has to be that level of I won't even just say trust, but sort of alignment in, honestly, these are issues of human dignity that we're talking about.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this question. So you're saying alignment on these issues is key when you get down to a friendship level. Okay, so what if somebody says we're aligned politically and then aligned with our view of the world sociologically, but we're not aligned spiritually?
0: I mean, we're talking... Christians of a different denomination or theology? Are we talking a Muslim and okay, a so Jewish non, person? Okay, non,
1: so non, no? non-Christians. Non-Christians. <laughs> so they would align with you politically and socially, sociologically, but then wouldn't align with you, your faith.
0: I'll say this. I'll say I have had more honest and intimate friendships with non-Christians than people who I have deep political differences within this climate, in this climate. So I'm not saying that we can't have policy differences on, right. you know, the best route to whatever, right? What I am saying is now we're getting to a point where we don't even be- believe in the same reality. <laughs> right. We don't even believe in the same right. set of facts. And how can you really get down to it, right? Mm-hmm. So, So in that case, you know, yeah.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. And so the reverse would be harder for you. It would be easier for you to have, uh, just generally speaking, someone who you agree with politically but disagree with spiritually than if you have someone that you agree with spiritually but disagree with politically. But I think we have to
0: understand what politics is or has become, right? Because when we say that word, oh, somebody,
1: you can't be friends with someone you disagree politically. Yes, yes, that we know Jesus feels... is not a donkey or a lamb. Yes, a, do- a donkey this is what or an I'm elephant he's at. a lamb. So it's, it's, you know, we obviously we we hear it already. I'm just Jesus saying, Jesus is not an elephant or a donkey; he's a lamb. <laughs> <laughs> we get what y'all. We get so many comments, so y'all just saying that I get it. Yes, 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 but people, people are going to misunderstand. Undermines the yes.
0: humanity of other people. In ways overt and covert, it gets harder and harder. And the reality is there may be people who don't ascribe to the same religion as you do, who actually understand fundamental issues of ethics and human dignity better than some people who claim Christ. Hmm. So it's an ethical sort of approach more than a label, right? right? How are you treating other image bearers? How are you actually loving your neighbors? Yeah. And not, do you go to the same kind of church I would go to, or do you read the same holy book I read? Because that might not mean anything when it comes to the way you treat people. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit more about this after the break.
0: Pass the mic. We appreciate you. And we're back, and Tyler's looking at me like I just walked away from Jesus.
1: You did. So, okay. okay. <laughs> there, we, there we go. You did. How? <laughs> no, you didn't walk away from Jesus. I mean,. You just kind of put Jesus behind, you know, the presidency, but it's fine. Like, no, oh my kidding, goodness, me. oh my goodness, he's joking, y'all. No, he's I'm joking. joking. I'm joking. I think, I think you said something very interesting. I think, though, you're you're touching on what is a tension point for a lot of us, which is performative Christian nationalism instead of true following of Jesus, and I think you. What you're saying is, people can claim Jesus, but read the Bible almost like they're reading a completely different Bible. Yeah. And living a completely different life. And what you're saying is, you see more moral consistency. Right. From people who are outside of the faith. Yes. Than those who are within the faith and believe differently than us. And that's
0: kind of scary. It's not, you know, outside of what the Bible addresses, though. Yeah. When God talks about your sacrifices are a stench to me mm-hmm. because you're not actually living the way yeah. I taught you to live. Hate so, your feasts. Yeah. So you're doing things in my name, <laughs> but pasting. you're not living the way. Eat.
1: You might as well just eat. It's I like,
0: mean, stop, stop doing it in my name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's what I'm getting at. Especially, yeah. like I say, context matters yeah. in today's political climate where it's not like simply about fiscal policy or something as important as that yeah. is. It is literally about the way we treat human beings, whether we think it's okay to to have them represented in books in our libraries, Mm -hmm. whether we think it's okay to separate children from their parents, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things that have taken on a really critical existential importance in our climate today, I think goes far beyond what our typical connotation of the word politics is.
1: Well how would you describe this as being easier or harder when the people in question are black? Because I feel like your conversation presupposes some sort of proximity to whiteness. Right. And I'm not, I'm reading into that. I'm assuming I'm, I'm admitting that I am, but I feel like we have a longer leash with black people who have differing political views and even sometimes, different, different spiritual views, but especially different political views that you look at it, you're like, what? Yeah. That was having a conversation with someone recently. He said something. I said, what'd you say? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm thinking in my head, well, you know, we've been through stuff and all this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you look at it, you're like, this is politically abhorrent here. Like, yeah. I, why do you believe this? But I feel like we have a longer leash with people who are who are black. And I think, unfortunately, that may be why some certain misconceptions and unhealthy ideas and toxic sentiments still exist (laughs) because in our particular sphere, because we give them a pass because they're one of us. Do you feel like that's something that you still wrestle with?
0: First of all, I think this is all quite complicated and nuanced Um, with black folks, because the racism we face is so universal. It tends to, lead the differences within hmm. black communities, right? So there is a very strong historic uh, uh, tradition of black conservatism, right? Like th- there are lots of black conservatives. We talk about our uncles, you know. Um, sure. There are lots of black conservatives, but that conservatism has tended to be more small government versus big government kind of thing. How much involvement does should the federal government or even state government have in one's daily life in business. There has often tended to be, even among black conservatives, an understanding of racism that is deeper and more nuanced than many people who are white and of a different political persuasion. So that as a baseline. But there are still black people who, as you said, would have abhorrent views, in yeah. terms of how they would
1: treat people, yeah, I, and I'm talking about the misogynists, the, yeah, you know, <laughs> like you know, the the people who are xenophobic, right? Like I'm, I'm, you know, the people who are homophobic. Like I'm I, talking about that type of stuff as well. I don't know.
0: It in, it tends to it tends to catch me a little bit off guard when I encounter a black same. person like yeah, that. Same. So I don't quite know what to do as quickly with that. Um, and there is an aspect of bro, we experience similar kinds of oppression. I thought we would have more in common or more understanding. Yeah. So I think that that maybe makes me slower to understand where we are in a relationship. But I wouldn't think that once I know that it would def- it would it would fundamentally lead me to a much deeper friendship. Okay.
1: I think there's also a level of for for many of us in black community we are more apt to hang on to friends because making friends isn't just harder but where do you find friends in a pandemic and when you're, when you're distant <laughs> you from when you're distant from church yeah when you know where do you, there's there's the gym work the barber shop and like you know, your kid's church. school yeah. and maybe church if you're going to church right now. Yeah. Right, And I feel like there's just a smaller window. So I think it actually is kind of a push. This conversation has really motivated a little bit of a push to say we need to have some sort of theology around what it looks like to be and have healthy friends within a church context that's more than small groups because small groups as effective as it is as a starting point is often like uh it feels like a scheme a little bit Mm. (laughs) i'm I'm sorry but it feels like it feels like a little bit of a scheme a little contrived yeah yeah like man let's keep them hooked keep them hooked to the matrix you know sometimes and i say this as a pastor like i want people to be in community with one another sometimes feels like you know, we trying to force something to I, say we, know we had a lot saying. of people. I mean it it feels very programmed. You yeah. Where uh, what's the what's the what's the true community that somebody can experience that's deeper than our small groups or our tribes or whatever it is that you have at your at your church, life groups or whatever it may be. But we need some sort of theology around this. It's
0: hard to make friends. We we, we know this and it's harder as you get older, that's yeah. for sure. But I want to take it back a little bit, and I wonder, are we actually putting too much pressure on ourselves to be friends with people you don't need to be friends with? No. Right? Like, when I look at history, it was Listen, when we're dealing with issues of moral clarity, like the clearer an issue is in terms of you're on one side or the other, I think there's actually less room. Hmm. So, in other words, I mean, again, we're looking back from the perspective of the 21st century. How tight can you be with a (laughs) slaveholder? Right? Right? Or how tight can you be with somebody who thinks you only can sit in the balcony at church?
1: But, you know, Hollywood would have had, if Hollywood was popping back then, they would have had the slave owner and the abolitionist (laughs) together.
0: Two men. Let's sit down over a pheasant (laughs) and hash this out. Uh, Uh, George and Billy. But that's why those movies hit us so wrong. They just grate on us. It's because, no, there is a fundamental divide. And I think, I actually think this is a a sort of white theologically centric view of friends with everybody, meet in the middle, both sides. Right. I I don't know. Again, it goes back to what you were saying, having a theology of friendship. I don't know. I think there's the assumption that if you're not friends with people, even who differ from you, you're not being a good Christian. Hmm. That's what I think is behind it. Hmm. That's why we get so tied up in knots. Oh, that person, I know we disagree on it, but we should be friends because that's what a good Christian does. I get that.
1: Well, But also... Yeah. Might be, might be love your enemies, but you know. I mean, you know, that's why that's why I think some people might yeah. assume that that means like consistent proximity with your enemy in a way that is friendship, when that might not be loving. It might even be toxic. for <laughs> Yeah, you. exactly. So and I for don't you and them.
0: I mean, that's where I am at right now. Is I want to question the assumption that I need to be friends with. Everybody who disagrees hmm. with me. Now, I think you can be friendly. Yeah. I think you can be polite. I think you can be kind. I think you ought to be kind,
1: right? And just because you're not friends with somebody doesn't mean that you deny them dignity. Right. And worth and value. I but-
0: don't know. How tight was Jesus with the Pharisees? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, he when when they humbled themselves. Yeah. Down. But- If they didn't, he had no unclear words for them. Yeah. Now I don't want to extrapolate that too much, but I'm just saying, we don't see a theology or a ministry in Jesus of I'm just I'm gonna be I'm gonna win them with 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 you know meals over here. It's it's (laughs) it's if it's it's if they had the humility.
1: (laughs) So you gonna win them with.
0: I'm going to break bread with whomever, you know? Now, Jesus (laughs) did cross lines. Absolutely. He crossed class lines. He crossed gender lines. But for folks who were hard hearted in the language of the Bible. Well,
1: I think this is getting down to in summation that the issues that we're navigating right now are a lot more serious than what we know and they're a lot more serious than what we what we are realizing yes. and a lot more serious than what we are understanding and accepting and presenting because these boil down to fundamental issues of human dignity people's lives <laughs> people's lively people's access to survival and thriving and flourishing these boil down to very serious matters, which is, again, a reminder that the reason why we do this is to remind people that injustice and inequity are massively serious issues that the church should care about.
0: And I got to say this because I know how easily this kind con- conversation can be misconstrued, at least my part in it. Here's, here's two things. That I, I think about. No, on bro, you good, man. This, this is past the right, other man. side. If these
1: if these right? pe- look, if you have, <laughs> here's the thing. Go back and listen to episodes because if you <laughs> misinterpret this, this is we've had plenty of other episodes you can misinterpret. But I want to help people. Maybe the, this helps me. Maybe to help you. One,
0: there's that old uh, motel commercial. We'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> Means whenever you get in, you can get in. You know. Whenever oh. you your 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 journey takes you to where we are, we're gonna we're gonna leave the door unlocked, yeah, yeah. we're gonna leave the light on for you. That's how I feel. As
1: you said in uh, color of compromise, it's here when you're ready.
0: Exactly. And it's it's not that these people are cut off forever because at this point in time we disagree on XYZ issues. Yeah. It's that at this point in time, we disagree on X, Y, Z issues, and I've got other business. Mm-hmm. I've got other things to attend to. But if you're willing to listen and to learn, we'll leave the light on for you. There's always space for that conversation. That gets to the second point. This is a journey. We should not yeah. be static in our yeah. understandings of human dignity, of yes. the Imago Day, yes. of yes. how to treat one another, right? And so... We can be at different points on that journey as long as we're trying to move forward. There are some people who have stopped or moving backwards and I'm on a different path. So it doesn't mean that everybody has to be where you are or where I am. It means can we can we be headed in the same direction? That's good. And that's where I think we can still have fellowship with people even when we disagree.
1: That's good. This is a good question. Shout out to Chrissy for Thanks this question. Thanks, Chrissy.
0: This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.